0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We're going to read together the whole of Ezra, chapter 1. It's not all that long, but it does help us to understand where we're heading today. The title is... Constructions. And this uh, meeting has been especially sort of set aside in the calendar to think about the building work we're going to do. I have been uh, in some churches where, and it was nobody's fault. I can't blame anyone for it, but when they had a building project, it sort of took over the whole church. And um, every meeting, excuse me, every meeting was about the building and every prophecy was about the building, and every offering was about the building, and I was very careful when I knew we were going to do some building that I didn't want us to go down that track where we're suddenly caught up with money and steel and bricks, whereas actually the kingdom of God is about people. Can you say amen? It's not about bricks and things, and the work of the church is not about building a church, a physical one. It's about building a spiritual one, um, so I've been very careful not to overload our program in talking about the building work we're going to do. But today, unashamedly, I want to talk about the building work as uh, something that we've planned and set, set aside to do, especially today. And uh, in our readings, uh, many of you will know, if you don't know, here's news for you that we, as a church, we try to read the Bible together. So we're all reading Roughly the same parts of the Bible each week. Uh, some getting ahead, some some are behind. But we've recently been in the book of Ezra, and if you're up to date, I think we've finished it. Um, but the early part of Ezra kind of caught me as I was thinking about today, and maybe it's something prophetic, maybe it's something just that encouraged me. But I believe it was hugely applicable anyway to what we're talking about and what we're. Endeavoring to do very soon here. So, Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Are you all with me? Are you all with me? Are you with me? Say aye. aye. Okay, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, sometimes he's called the king of Assyria because Assyria had become a different region at this time. This is about the 6th century BC. In the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus king of Persia to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus king of Persia says, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, we won't be asking for that today, but with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem, verse 5, then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up. And build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord. These had been previously stolen, by the way, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem 70 years before and had placed in the temple of his God. Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought by Mithridath, I'm sure he won't mind how we say that, the treasurer, who counted them out to shesh the prince of Judah. This was the inventory. You may have it in your Bible different ways, but gold dishes, 30 silver dishes, 1,000 of them, 29 silver pans, 30 gold bowls, Four hundred and ten matching silver bowls, other articles a thousand, and other things, because in all there were over five. There were five thousand four hundred articles, of golden, of silver. Sheshbazzar brought all these along when the exiles came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word today. Let me uh, set the scene of the story. Just to help you. It's always good to know a bit of the background. What had happened is that the Babylonians, 70 years before this story, had attacked uh, Jerusalem. And there's different dates given to it because they attacked two or three times. But 586 BC is the date that everyone likes. everyone, Because that's when the temple came down and all this. So in 586 BC, the 6th century BC, the Babylonians came and they attacked Jerusalem and they took a whole load of them away. Of course, they killed a lot of people, knocked down the walls and Nehemiah has to build them later, knocked down the walls, knocked down the temple and took a load of the people from Judah into exile back to Babylonia. As you know, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. And so after 70 years, uh, Babylonia, in terms of being a massive empire, was sort of no more and was replaced by the Persian Empire, of which King Cyrus was in charge. And what's happening in the story is that King Cyrus has made a decision that he's going to let all of the people that the Babylonians are. Taken away, he's going to set them free, if you like, and he's going to allow them to go back to their land and rebuild their temple. That's what this story is all about. And as they travel back, a couple of major characters go with them. One of them is Ezra, another one is Nehemiah, and they go and they and they rebuild what had been destroyed. And that's roughly the background of the story. What I want to look at this morning is. What were the, what I've called here, the divine components? What were then? I've got five of them. Five little uh, things that happened during this period of time that were particularly connected to, not the traveling, not the restoration of of their families, but the construction, some might say the reconstruction, of the temple that had been destroyed. And I was amazed as I read this, because I wasn't reading it, a few weeks ago I read this, I wasn't reading it looking for things to do with our building project, or things to do with our vision here, but so much of it leapt off the page at me, and I felt encouraged by the Holy Spirit, I hope you will be equally encouraged today. So, the components, number one, was that all this was about a supernatural Fulfillment. If you look at verse 1, Ezra chapter 1, we're going to look at Ezra 1, 2, and 3 a little bit today, so keep your Bible in front of you open there. It says in verse 1 <coughs> In the first year, excuse me, of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus to make a proclamation. The Bible is very clear that the reason why all this happened, the reason why a non-Israelite king suddenly gets all lovey-dovey with the Israelites, if you like, gets all very friendly with them, is because the Lord moved his heart to do so. But more than that, it was in order to fulfill a prophecy given by Jeremiah uh, many, many decades before. Jeremiah had said, the Babylonians are coming, they're going to destroy us, and he runs into a cave, actually, which still exists in Jerusalem today, where he looks out and the Babylonians come and they kill a lot of people and destroy the place. And as he sits in this cave, legend has it that he writes a book, which is in your Bible today, called Lamentations, where he laments, he's very sad about what's happening. But he had said this, that this terrible disaster's coming, but in 70 years, you'll all be coming back again. Or well, those that were still alive would, would come back again. And it was fulfilled exactly as he said it would be. We know, by the way, that this literally happened. You can leave this place today, go down to the British Museum in London, where a little, a very odd sort of cylinder is there. It's called the Cyrus Cylinder. It is in the British Museum today. And this uh, information is all written on it, not by a Bible character, but by a secular character That Cyrus was going to release people to go back to their homeland. That's not just in the Bible. It's on a piece of archaeological data, if you like. And you can go and see that today. It's not so very far from this room. But all this happened to fulfill the word that God had given to Jeremiah. Let's talk about a building project for a moment. A built-in project can be quite a terrifying thing to do, because it would be so much easier to just leave things as they are. It's cheaper, it's less hassle, it's a bit more of a quiet life, but, but one has to move with what God is speaking about and what God is saying. About a year ago, I, uh, or maybe a little less than that, I told you of how one night I was, and go back many years ago, maybe even four or five years ago, but I was disturbed in the night, no dreams then about chocolate, but quite disturbed in the night. I got up, and as I was just lying, sort of sitting lying on the edge of the bed, the word of the Lord came to me in that bed. The Lord said to me, I want you to, I want you to put a floor through the existing building. It was was extremely clear. I got up out of the bed. I sort of walked around the bedroom. Jane was there snoring away, you know. I can say that because she's at Sunday school. Uh, If she was here, I'd say Jane was there sleeping quietly. But Jane was there, you know, sleeping away. And I stood up in the room, just in the presence of God, aware that the Word of God had Come into the bedroom. And uh, I, I never forgot it. I told her about it. I mentioned it to um, a couple of others. But, uh, but that nothing this seemed to be the right time. We didn't, certainly didn't have any money at that time as a church to even consider such a project as that. And so it is a, it's stunning to me. Stunning that we are where we are today thinking about maybe in a short space of time that this work could begin. So if I was going to advise a church on a building project, this would be the very first thing I would say. Is it what God is calling you to do? Is it what God is speaking into the midst? And I want to tell you in King's Church, the answer is yes. Terrifying though it is, the answer is Yes. All the labor that's going on behind the scenes right now. that Because many people, are uh, you don't know anything about it. But the, the, the stress and the running around and the fiddling around and the writing to this one and phoning that one. At the heart of it, there's a word from heaven that took me out of my bed in the middle of the night to stand in the presence of God and to, and to hear the divine mandate, the divine commandment. God said he wanted us to change this place, and that's what we're going to do. So the first part of a building program shouldn't be, and I'll come back to this at the end, but it shouldn't be for for our own pleasure or our own glory or fame or any other reason you might, as a church, want to do something a bit more spectacular. It's not even so we can meet the needs of people You might think that was priority one, and that's pretty high. But actually, the very first reason is because the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, these things came into being. Number two, supernatural fulfillment. Number two, Secular resource. Well, we like that a lot. The Lord moved the heart of the king of Cyrus. And this is what the king of Cyrus did. He did much more than just say, go do it. He got out his checkbook. And a royal checkbook is a good checkbook. (laughs) He says here, What are we looking at? Verses 2 and 3 here. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple for him. That's what the, if you like, the non-Christian leader said. The Lord has appointed me to build a temple for him. Any one of these people may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord. And then you see in verse seven, uh, he brings out all these articles. He wants to pay for it as well. What a wonderful king. I'd vote for him if you vote for kings. And then if you go over to chapter six, just go a bit further in the story, will you? Ezra chapter six. And you'll see this all the way through. It was the, it was the, uh, this new empire, this Persian empire. They got out their checkbook and they wanted to pay for it. I mean, it really is a miracle. Not even Jeremiah had dared to prophesy about that. Isaiah mentioned Cyrus by name, but not, but not Jerry. But Ezra chapter 6 and um, verse 8, and this is the, um, the governor speaking. And he says, Moreover, I hereby decree what you are to do for these elders of the Jews. In the construction of this house of God, the expenses of these men are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury. God moved upon them to spend their money. This secular group, if you like, were moved to spend their money. And then just come down to what is it? The final verse, I think, verse 22. And this is how the people responded. It says, for seven days, they celebrated with joy these feasts because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria. That's That's still Persia there, by the way. So that he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel. So the first stage of their building program was a word from God. Supernatural fulfillment. The second one, uh, secular favor or secular resource. These people who didn't love God decided that they wanted to help them pay for it. Well, if you've been in this church for a few months, you know exactly where I'm going with this, don't you? What a joy we had just... A number of months ago, just sitting in this room and telling you that our local authority here had got their checkbook out and they were going to help us. We went into that meeting and I stood there like the worst kind of candidate for Dragon's Den, hoping I had some of the figures in my head. I knew that Jean-Louis had them in his head, but he was sitting 30 feet behind me. And I knew Phil knew about the, uh, about the diagrams, but it, there I was at the front. They're all like looking at me. And to my amazement, they suddenly all wanted to have a coffee break. And within three or four minutes, it was just all voted through. Thank God for caffeine addiction. But thank God actually, because God moved the heart of the king to help them. And we stood and many of us have gathered together Thursday evenings and prayed and called upon God. And we've seen this fulfilled in a, among us. When we came out of that meeting, by the way, if you don't know, they gave us a hundred grand. As we came out of that meeting, I, I was a bit stunned. Did that really happen? You know, Was it like the revels? Is it a dream? And Jean-Louis jumped to the car with me. It was raining. I remember... But, you know, you know when you're so happy you don't mind being wet. You know, that's really happy, isn't it? When you're walking in the rain and you don't care, you know that something good must have just happened. I was a bit dazed as well. I was probably If I'd been taken to adderbrooks I would have probably would have been in shock. They tested me out. And Jean-Louis wanted to lead a chorus with me in the car. I couldn't even sing. Let alone see out of the windscreen, I seem to recall. But praise God. Praise God, this has happened among us. And, 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 and you are part of this journey with us. So number one was the, the word from God, the supernatural fulfillment. Number two, God released to them secular resources. If God allowed the children of Israel to carry out of Egypt the gold and the silver of Egypt. And now God permits them to be blessed by secular authorities. You can relax because it must be okay for that to happen then. And we don't have to take their check and we don't have to pray over it. We just have to spend it. God has been amazingly good to us. Number three, sacrificial offerings. Okay, the bad news was for for Ezra's day and for our day that not everything got paid for by the king's check. And that's true today. And it was true then. Ezra, back to chapter one, where we read about how they were going to give. It says in verse four, And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, goods and livestock, with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. And then another couple of verses I spotted when I was reading it again last night. Chapter 2, verse verse 68. Ezra 2 and 68. When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem... Some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings towards the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for this work and it spells out what they are, 61,000 drachmas and 5,000 minas, 100 garments, etc. I want to say two things about that. Number one, we note how generous these people were. They were generous because they believed in what they were doing. They were generous because they were able to be, but they were generous because they believed in what they were doing. And by that I mean they gave the money to the Lord. I've uh, been in churches, uh, some of you have been in these churches too, where this enormous pressure is placed upon people to give. And uh, dramatic music is played, smoke comes out of the side. And someone says, the first five people to the front will receive... And it's really just a load of nonsense. If you will send in sixty-eight dollars today, or fifty-eight dollars today, you can receive the blessings of Isaiah fifty-eight. Do you know what I wonder? I thought, what would happen if I only sent in fifty-four dollars or fifty-two? It's just uh, it's just a load of nonsense. Then of course they discovered live on TV that $58 uh, in in terms of English pounds was less or more and people get a bit fraught, how are we going to do the exchange? You end up just fighting out from you, oh, I gave $58, but it's really only 41 pounds. I don't like Isaiah 41. Anyway, have a think about that. The people didn't give because they were compelled to the people didn't give, I love what the message says. I think it's Second Corinthians 8 or 9, where in the message version, Paul is talking about that they should give to the work of the Lord, but he said, we're not going to give you sob stories or twist your arm behind your back. And I kind of like that. Why did the people give? Why did they give all this stuff that they had? They gave it because they believed in what they were doing. Not because there was any pressure on them. Not because they were promised anything back from it. Did you hear what I just said? Ezra didn't leap up and say, now look, if you give me 5,000 minas today, you're going to have your name inscribed on a little gold plaque on the door. Not at all. No multicolored handkerchiefs were sent to anyone as a result of their money. They gave because they believed in it. That's the first thing. And number two, we read it. They gave according to their ability. You can't give what you haven't got. I can't give what I haven't got. You can't give what you haven't got. But if you believe in it, you can give what you have got. So sacrificial offerings they came together and what the royal treasury had you know meted out to them it wasn't enough and it hasn't been enough here either because of course we want to do so much more than the the gracious gift we've received from the secular authority here as i'm recording this today it's the 30th of october we need something like just short of 40,000 pounds to, to complete where we're going. We have about 155,000 pounds we have now. But we need just short of 200,000. The people gave because they, they believed in it. Number four. Skilled laborers. Look at chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, then they gave the money to the masons and carpenters. And gave food and drink and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre, so they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa, as authorized by Cyrus. What did they do with the money? Well, they all these bits of gold and you know, you know, what did they do with it? They didn't put it in a big glass case. Look at it. They converted it into money and they gave it to skilled laborers to do the work. We want to transform this place into something really very, very wonderful for the glory of God to be a blessing to all of us. Moreover, to be a blessing to the people who are coming in the future and particularly to younger people and children who currently have to go on a walk every Sunday, as you you know. We want to do something that will be for the honor and glory of God. But in order to do that, we need to convert the money and give it to skilled laborers to do. And that's what these people did. And that's exactly what we're doing. The company that we want to employ, and I have to be careful because we haven't signed anything yet, we wouldn't want them to hear this and get over-eager with us. But the company we want to employ are currently rebuilding London after the riots. They're rebuilding the Sony Center at this particular moment. Well, maybe not at this particular moment. But we believe they are a skilled company. And there have been others who have needed to help us. Solicitors and and, uh, people like this who work that really none of us on the team can really do. We've been blessed in the church because... We've had the wonderful skills of, a, of, a, of an architect to, to help us. And uh, Phil has recently been redesigning the downstairs. We've got skills among us. And of course, Merek among us too. Highly skilled and will be able to help us. We want to take the money and give it to skilled laborers. We want it to be wonderful. And there will be things that we'll be able to do in-house, Maybe. But how many of you know that it wouldn't... How many of you would go up on that floor if you knew the person who would put it in was me, Jean-Louis, and Phil? No, you wouldn't go up there. And by the way, neither would I. Skilled laborers. Skilled laborers are expensive. They don't do it for Jesus. They do it for cash. Well, hopefully, check. But we need skilled laborers. A few things... We'll be able to do ourselves maybe a few things. And we might be inviting you to help us with that as we, as we go. Maybe we shouldn't get a professional decorator to paint the wall. But we need other times very much professional help. And that's what they did. They gave it to these skilled laborers. They gave it to others. who brought in the stuff from across the land. In fact, that's how the original temple was built as well. So we need to do that. And finally, divine components for a building project. The final one was the shout of praise. Go to Ezra chapter 3 and we'll pick it up in verse 10. Ezra 3 and verse 10. The final part of this story, at least this early part of Ezra, was the people gather together. And they laid the foundation. And uh, they were so excited about that. And of course, if you have got any knowledge of building work, you know the foundation is the most important part. Verse 10 says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple, the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and trumpets, the Levites, the sons of Asaph, With symbols, they took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. Because the foundation of the house was laid. So the first thing about this is that it was all about laying down that foundation, not just of bricks and mortar and cement, but of praise. We want this to be a house of praise. But there's something that happens on this first, if you like, it's their first worship service on the land. Think of it in our terms as the first meeting in the new venue. Because that's a bit like what it was. Maybe it didn't quite have a nice roof. But uh, it was the first meeting in the new place. And listen, I've seen the plans. When you walk in here and it's finished, you are going to absolutely love it. This lower floor, and we're still... Thinking about all this and still going to refine all this. Most likely there will be a couple of rooms down here and then a much bigger space somewhere around here. Where we can have social time together and and, and other rooms that the community can use and Sunday school can use. And then there will be a beautiful lift in the corner which you are not allowed to use unless you are disabled. You can't pretend. Don't show up with a stick. I need it. Now you have to come up the stairs and uh, the stairs will just be in the side here and this whole upper part will be a big or bigger worship room. So our capacity for worship will be bigger, you understand that? Because it will encompass the back room as well in terms of size. And I tell you, we're all going to gather together. Don't ask me when, but sometime soon. We'll gather together, the work will be finished. And you'll be able to say t- to your friend, would you like to go to the toilet? And your friend would say, yes, I would like to go to the toilet. And you would say, would you like to go to the toilet without going outside? And your friend would say, is that possible? You'll say, oh, yes. Come with me. Well, I'm looking forward to that anyway. It will look amazing. And we'll be led in worship, and the place we would just love it. I want you to live in that day by faith in your mind. But here's the little thing I wanted you to notice because I stopped reading deliberately. It goes on to say this verse 12. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. Watch this. Verse 13, No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. What happened at this worship service Where someone came to the mic, or whatever it was, said, let's lift up a shout to the Lord, and there was a great shout. And we'll do something similar up there, sometime soon. And as the people gave a great shout, lost in the noise of the shout, were some who broke down, and were moved emotionally. And The Bible says that, no one could spot them because there was so much worship going on. But dotted around that room were one or two people who were moved to tears and weeping. Now, in this story, I think we're supposed to understand it's because they remembered the old days. And they're still tears of joy, by the way. Because they're happy that it's now been rebuilt. I'm sure that's what we're supposed to understand. You know, tears of Happiness. Moved with emotion because these people had gone through the cost of it all. The young'uns in the room, they didn't know about the temple before, so they're just well this is wonderful, it's so much better. But there were others there who'd been through the cost of it all. And so they were moved in a different way. Still grateful to God, still praising Him, still shouting for joy, but with with great emotion. And I want to tell you this, that exactly the same thing will happen when we give our shout of praise on our open day. There will be two groups of people, really. One group of people will be like the young people in Judah. It will all have been new and it will have come at no cost whatsoever to them they will arrive and just enjoy it. And God bless them, by the way. That's wonderful as well. But dotted around our new worship hall upstairs, in not so long from now, as we lift up that shout, there will be some who will be moved deeply. Why? Because it will have cost them to see it come into place. For some, the cost will be you know, f- f- a financial. To others, they'll be stood there worshipping God, but they'll look and they'll think, you know what, I painted that wall. To some, they'll think, I, I, helped, to, I helped to design that that that, that bit. To others it will be, I came out and I stood and I prayed with my church family about this. I'm part of it. All the glory will go to God, believe me. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about stealing the glory from God. But God moves upon the hearts of people And then they move, and it's people who put it together. I invite you to join with those in that second group who will be able to say, I was part of making this aspect of the will of God come to pass. And whether you're sitting here today, or whether you're hearing this now in your iPod, or listening to it on your computer at home, wherever you are listening to this message now, I encourage you to think about being part of that second group. Because many hands will make light work. Some will be able to say, look, I was part of this, or I stored this stuff in my garage. You you see that set of drums up there? They're in my garage all summer. I didn't tell my son, though. Well, oh, you see that, that thing there? I, w- I helped move that. Your fingerprints are on the project, you see. And, and many others will say, thank God I released my financial gift to enable this to come to pass. So there you go. These components of this construction, supernatural fulfillment, secular resource or secular favor, if you like. We've experienced that. Sacrificial offerings, which in turn paid for skilled labor and finishing as it ought to be with a shout of praise to God and goodbye.